progress came and took its toll and in the name of flood control they made their plans and they drained the land now the glades are going dry and the last time i walked in the swamp i sat up on a cypress stump i listened close and i heard the ghost of osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. Florida State turned in a Jekyll and Hyde performance, I should say Jekyll and Hyde performance, for the third straight week. The Knowles suffered a demoralizing loss to number 25, Virginia, 31-24. We will get into some reactions with a preview as well on the upcoming Louisville game this weekend. The Gators escape the Wildcats in Kentucky, and the NFL starts to take shape in Week 2. Turn up the dial and fire up the telephone lines at 850-644-1837. It's Tomahawk Talk. Here we go. Alongside me in the co-host chair, as always, is our chief reporter, Gary Putnick, who got to say the Dolphins don't look that great. Neither do the Marlins. The Heat not taking too uh, great a shape coming into the Miami sports world. Gary, how are you feeling as a sports fan? This is this is not looking good for you. I, I can name four teams that you cheer for that are not doing great. It's demoralizing, to say the least, that every single time I look at like my ESPN feed or whatever, it's just loss, loss, loss. And I was there was a bright spot this weekend. After Florida State's uh, loss, I was able to tweet out a Marlins win video. That was nice. The Marlins got a nice win in San Francisco. So I got that. <laughs> it's it's the little it's the little wins, right? Exactly. You know, it, yeah. it's it's not gonna change overnight. Although, holy smokes, it seems like in Tallahassee it's changed overnight, uh, the the outlook on this team. On to uh, my right we have Sebastian Angel Riano, who is now a part of the rowing team at Florida State, a, a very, you know, something that we did not see coming. Yeah, I, I've i been working, all, all my friends back home have been uh, pushing me to do it. They, they're they all, for whatever reason, in the in the crew scene, let's call it. And um, this weekend, uh, I, I got the nod. Uh, we, we celebrated and everything, and I got to enjoy uh, a Bucks win. Uh, it made my mind melt. It was agonizing, but it was a, a win is a win, and uh, it was significantly less painful than than Saturday night. But we'll the, get to that. The, the Bucks are the only team in the state of Florida with a win for uh, the NFL. That's I tough. would say I bet you didn't expect that, but let's be honest. I mean, we didn't expect anybody here to get a win until week like three. That eh, you know the Jags probably should have pulled in a win. So either way. And on to my left, that is Matt Povtak, who is your Orlando Magic aficionado, you would say. Markel Fultz, his option was picked up by the Magic in 2020-2021. What do you think of that move? It's exciting, man. Uh, all i got to say is the Orlando Magic are on the up. Really? Yeah. They're, I, could, I could say, this is a hot take, that they will come in the Eastern Conference Final this year. This year, they will this make year. it to the Eastern they Conference. We're really Eastern starting early time. with this hot take thing. This year? At least wait like 20 minutes, man. Jeez. I don't know, uh, Matt. Here's the thing. They may attend. Some of the players might actually go to it and, and see it as fans. Mm. I, I think that that could, that could be an actual option. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Tune in, tune in in, what, nine months? Um, yeah. The, Magic, say, the Magic's yes. title might be them beating the Toronto Raptors or Golden State Warriors. They seem to play good against great teams you during the regular season. Then. 
I don't know. The Magic's hopes for a playoff win or playoff success for me just seem like uh, smoke and mirrors. I guess you could say. Okay. Uh-huh. Is is that a lyric joke? You know, I'm not cultured over here. Well, let's get into the uh, game itself, and it was not pretty. Florida State, if you guys did not know, they fell once again. Now they're one and two on the year. Fell to Virginia, number 25 overall, 31 to 24. Put on a valiant fight. And this is the third game in a row where Florida State has given up a halftime lead. And that's something that has really frustrated fans. And you almost look at it and say, is is this is are are we having too much hope for this team or are we too hard on this team? Because they do look better, but just because you look better than the year before when you were so bad, the competition gets better as well, Gary. Mm-hmm. And you get better, you get worse, you never stay the same. And with this team, it kind of feels like it's just two step forwards, one step back every single time. I think I, I legitimately believe they did improve. I think I'm liking what they, I'm liking what they did this. Week. They look better. They do mm-hmm. look better. James Blackman is one of five quarterbacks in the country to have three touchdown passes in his uh, first three games of the season. One of the first Florida State quarterbacks in over 30 years to do that, um, and. In five consecutive games. I think he's had five consecutive games where he's thrown three touchdowns, mm-hmm. which is, if you go and look at any quarterback in the country, you go, wow, that, that guy must be one of the top top out there. But you go and look at James Blackman, and it's the same thing that has plagued him throughout his career is, is his accuracy issues going to be fixed? That's something I don't know. And one thing that I, I point out to Gary earlier in the day is James Blackman is starting to remind me of DeAndre Francois that his freshman season, when DeAndre took took the Knolls to uh, a, the Orange Bowl victory Orange against Bowl. Michigan, and DeAndre would stand in the pocket and get hit and get those throws off and, and look great, but he started to build in bag mechanics of knowing he was going to get hit, try to get the ball rid of a little bit early. And I'm starting to see that from James. Yeah, it's concerning to say at least for that. <clears throat> but I still think, I still believe he does he does have a chance to turn this team around. I still believe that they can do it. I don't know. If, I know the rest of you guys generally don't feel that way. I wish I had your optimism, but the more things change, the more they say the same. And what's changed? What's changed? Uh, he's not throwing picks anymore. He's is true? He's, he's, kept it, he's kept his nose pretty clean after that first game. Uh-huh. And um, is that the same as what he was doing before? <laughs> the thing that, he's, that stays the same is that he's, he's not clutch. He, he can't throw... Ooh. He well, how many clutch situations has he had previous to this? Game? There was there was tonight or there was Saturday night. Um, you can go back to his freshman Florida year State if you want to throw that in there. But I I understand what you're saying. He's not clutch, but he hasn't had too many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Well, let's throw it out there, Matt. Would you say that he's the reason why Florida State lost that final drive? Do you think he was the reason why Florida State lost? No, I don't believe that's the reason he lost. I believe he lost because of poor coaching decisions. Highlight them. What, what so, happened in what happened on that final drive for the people who didn't watch? Well, first off, the final, the final play, final actions of the game. There's got to be better coaching. The players didn't know what they were doing on that final. They didn't know whether to spike. They didn't know whether to block. Tammy, uh, Terry was not blocking the receiver that Cam tried, Terry, yeah, yep. tried. Cam tried to run to, and that's the reason he got tackled. What, one of the things I saw from that play is that you have to know. Okay. The game's online. We have two. We have two plays left. What there was thirteen seconds left. I, I think there was thirteen seconds left. It was wasn't it fourth down on the Third. on the final or the pass to get them inside yeah, the, the the pass to get the first. Yeah. Down. I believe it was fourth down. Yeah. It was, um. So it it was fourth down. They know if they go to the middle of the field, the clock's gonna stop, but they aren't gonna have enough time. You have to know instinctively when you throw that ball over the middle of the field, fall on the ground, you got the first down, and let's spike it, get something to go. What they didn't know, and this only comes back to you have muscle memory, Matt. You know you have muscle memory. What it comes back to is in those game-like situations, they didn't practice it. Yep. That falls on the coaching. I want to touch back on my previous statement real quick because there was one play in particular that for me marked the change between first-half Blackman and second-half Blackman, uh, where the, for me it was the, the big hit from, from Joey Blount in the second quarter. Um, at around the 750 mark, I, I wrote it down real quick, so I don't have the exact timestamp. But um, it was it was an it wasn't a very clean hit, and it should have been called. But it was um, where 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 Blount gets um, around the pocket right after um, 
Blackman releases the ball in one way or another, and it goes straight for the knee. And it felt, for me, it felt like that rattled Blackman. Um, and he just he started repeating the same mistakes that I've been seeing through this season, through last season, where when he when he, he has just dices, kind of fell back into where, what he had been doing. Before. Exactly where where he he'll, he'll see a receiver downfield, and maybe it's a good throw, probably not, and he'll he'll go the, for it, and he'll and he'll throw over the receiver's the, head. The big one that you're time. talking it happened about. on the last drive in the yep. game. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one you're talking about is at the very very end of the game. Tamarian Terry, he got wide open on a go route and overthrew him by a solid 10 yards. I mean, it wasn't even close. But you, you say that he's not clutch. And, Gary, you can you can go back to this. Throwing on a 4th and 13, I believe it was 4th and 13, he threw it over the, over the middle, hung in the pocket, got crushed. That's a pretty clutch play to convert mm-hmm. that and extend the drive. You know, now he's got one play. The problem is they just weren't ready. Yeah, they, it was the play call. I mean, I like the play call. The play, I think it's fine. There I, were, was, there I, was, I think the execution of if everyone mm-hmm. knew what the play call was, if, if you think about it, the call, he's yelling at the line, wherever the clock stopped, they have about five seconds to understand what that play is, put in their mind, and go and put it out and go. Mm-hmm. If you spike that ball, you got, you got 30, 35 seconds. Everyone knows what's going on. For people to say, oh, well, you know, he there was enough time. There was. It doesn't matter if there was seven. It doesn't matter if there was four. Yes, the clock management wasn't that great, but that's not an excuse. The excuse is that they didn't, get the, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And the one thing that bothered me about the game and we can go on and on and forever, is the penalties. Pen- yeah, penalties are the oh biggest problem. They are the, I, yeah, that's the one that everyone's going to Ten penalties, 83 the, yards. Yeah. And that was, I believe it's 26 now on the season total. 26 overall. Gary, what was Florida State last year? How uh, If they ranked in the nation, what were they for how many penalties last year? Uh, I believe they were dead last. They were last in the country when it came to penalties. It's an improvement. Meaning, meaning that, that they were the worst team in the country. They had the most penalties. It was 9.2 penalties per game. Which is obscene. We're number one. We're and there have been two one. games so far this year where it's been ten more. And you go and look back now, they are 122nd in penalties. So they are the eighth worst team in the country. Yeah, I was about to say there's one. That is slight improvement, that's but that's not the improvement that you're looking for in a football team. And the discipline at the end of the game, Virginia wasn't very disciplined as well. There were a couple late hits, um, unsportsmanlike on the coach. I mean that that's unacceptable from from his standpoint. He even said after the game that. I almost let the game go away. But Florida State, some of those were some knucklehead plays. The the late hit that extended, uh, that gave an automatic first down mm-hmm. at the end of the game, it was Renardo Green, correct, a, a freshman. Yeah. And he just hits him right in the head. And you see you see the other players on Florida State's team put their hand on their head knowing that's a penalty. And those are things that you teach in practice where you got to know when when to stop. And they don't. They, they really don't. And if you don't have a disciplined football team, are you going to win games? No. You look at the best teams in the country, and they don't have penalties. Like I said, Luke, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, we're seeing the same issues that we've seen, uh, that we saw last year, and we believed that there was improvement after the first game, where, where, uh, where first game of the year, where, yep. where the, their nose, the nose was clean for a while, and then we've we've seen the team slide back into the same mistakes. It's exhausting. It really is exhausting, and that's like, uh, like uh, my guy here said, it's um, it's a coaching issue. Matt, and and Gary as well. Uh, I'll I'll say this: Do you think that it's there's a silver lining in Florida State losing to two ranked teams? Uh, uh because they're very lightly ranked. They're the yeah, they're, top, like- they're the twenty five of twenty five. Yeah, I mean Boise wasn't even ranked when they beat Florida State, and then Virginia Tech or Virginia, sorry, is now 21st after their win against Florida State. So th- I don't know if there really is a silver. I don't believe there's a silver line to this, and I, it's it's still it's a loss at the end of the day. It's still a one, another one in the loss column. So I don't think there's a silver lining. Matt, I think that it kind of cements our position as a borderline 25 team. Like I think that we're we are. Uh, FSU is a 28-29 ranked team, I think. But that's the reason we're losing these close games. We're holding them tight. But but are you a good team if you lose close games? I mean, you can play anyone in the country, and if you play every single team close in the country and lose the game, doesn't matter. There's no such thing as a good loss, Matt. Wouldn't you say? True. There's a saying in Spanish, ganan como nunca or pierden como siempre. Which means they win like always, or they lose like always, and they win like never before. 
and it, it really does describe this this ball team where they were like two weeks ago the the theatrics that we saw against ULM were the stars aligning and things the that intangible uh, element of the game shift tilting into Florida State's um, favor right yeah Gary so so what would you say each team each part of this this team has had its flashes, except for linebacking core. You can say that, and even the defensive line. What part needs to stay for Florida State to win games, to, to be there every single game? I think it's special teams at the end of the day. Special teams has to show up. They need to get good punts. They need to put pin the uh, opposing offense back in their own territory. They need to guarantee the, those easy three points when you can get them, regardless of how far the kick is, which Aguayo has done so far. He had that 53-yarder against uh, Virginia. And then uh, – shoot, Tommy Martin. Yeah, Tommy, he stepped up in Logan, in Logan Tyler's absence right now, and he's made an impact. I'll say this. When you look at, at what Willie Taggart said, he said that going back to the last play of the game, it was a good play call. We just didn't execute. And everyone can agree with that. Usually that's coach speak, but Florida State did not execute. When he talked about the special teams, that was the only, that was the only part that, that he mentioned in these last two games – with its growth us who is the kickoff kick uh for florida state mm-hmm. and then tommy martin and ricky aguayo those are the special team unit for florida state and ricky aguayo hitting that 53 yard field goal that that was something that i don't think very many people expected but he stepped up tommy martin has been incredible really walking into the situation he's a walk-on actually walking in 42 yards per punt this is one area where willie tackard knows that you know, if, if we can just get everything else done, they'll take care of us. And that's something that you got to feel comfortable in. If Ricky Aguayo gets in a situation, and I know people have hated Ricky, loved Ricky, whatever whatever you can say about him, but he's giving you that confidence. I don't think he's missed a, has he missed a kick all year? No, he hasn't. And I was going to ask, if you were coming into this game, I know we all knew about the ULM missed field or extra point. Would you have guessed if there was one missed field goal or extra point, would you have said it would have been FSU or UVA? And I mean, UVA missed another another extra point that mm-hmm. could have doomed. That would have been two straight games where Florida State would have escaped with that. Yep. But you look at what Willie Taggart said, and he said that this special teams unit, they set an example for the rest of the team. If you go out there and play, then you're going to get that recognition. Mm-hmm. No one was trashing the special teams unit. Who were they? Who are they going after, Gary? You, uh, you. Well, they're going pick after one. The, pick I mean, one. Let's go with the defense right now. The defense seems to have the most most problems, like again with penalties, penalties. and they. They seem to crumble in later game situations. They gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Matt, what area can Florida State fix right now that'll patch this team to a seven-win season? The offensive line. I think if you get, if you they've give, been better. They've been better, mm-hmm. but especially late in games, pressure has been on Blackman. Acres hasn't been able to move the ball as well, and especially with a good defense like UVA, Acres had a worse game. I think Acres is a top running back in the co- in college football. And if we have a solid line, if, FS, if FSU has a solid line in front of him, he could produce numbers. What, what if Cam Akers had Wisconsin's offensive line? Oh, Heisman candidate right there. He was one last year for about a week. So that, that's something that you can look at. And that's something that probably won't get fixed, though. Let's be honest. I don't think there's a young person that they could plug in right now that can fix it. When it comes to the defense, there are those areas where there are young guys. And I don't know if that needs um, a hierarchy change. And we're gonna we're gonna ask you guys right now, Haran Barnett, does he make it through these next two games? I would say, if with with Jim and and we should put context in there for people who don't know Jim Levitt, who was the Oregon defensive coordinator when Willie Taggart was there, has just been hired on as a defensive analyst. Yes. So giving giving some inkling to what may happen in the future. I would say his seat is on fire right now, and it's going to come up to this Louisville game. If he can keep a final collapse in the final quarter, like we've seen so many times, his seat will cool down. If not, he's gone. Must-win game? Absolutely, without question. Um, every every game is a must-win game for Florida State football, all the way through uh, to the end of the season, all the way through Florida. Um, Clemson, oh, okay, except Clemson. Well, you, you can say except must Clemson. win. I will give you a bye week, which What's is What's the difference, must win or realistic? Like, <laughs> you got you to gotta be realistic. For, what is Florida State? Florida State's one and two. What do they need to go over the next, what is it, nine games? 
Um, they need to do things that I'm beyond certain Six that they and won't three? do. Yeah, they, they, they need to do that. But more importantly, they, they need to first and foremost fix the um, discipline issues. And that's, that's the, for me, that is the e-ticket that you need to resolve. If you resolve, if you, if Florida State didn't have the defensive uh, discipline issues that they did, you would have seen, what, four, th- four or three uh, penalties instead of ten. And no. that's a difference of, like, 60 yards. Guys, let's that's I, a lot. Let, let's take a look at James Blackman, though. You look on paper right now, and he had a great game: twenty-two of thirty-seven, two hundred thirty-four yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That is a great game, and yet Florida State can't get it done. For some of these SEC teams, they put up twenty-four points; they're winning by ten. Florida State does not have, and what we say going into this year, the strong suit was going to be the defense. Well, that has backfired. You look at Cam Akers. Cam Akers didn't have the greatest of days. You know, he had seventy-eight yards. Yep, you have to. Note, though, that the run game on both sides of the ball, and you have to give props to the Florida State football team for this, uh, the run game was stuffed on both sides of the ball for a while. Uh, the, the Florida State defense collapsed before the UVA defense lost their temperament late in the fourth, but uh, yeah, they you could did say keep it they started, they, they did do very well in the first half. We'll give them that credit. But when it comes to the clutchness that we were talking about, the defense can be clutch too, they can have a stop. But mm-hmm. Gary, let's give credit to UVA. All right, let's give credit to them and, and them offensively. Yeah, Bryce Perkins played. He passed well. He, what did Willie Taggart say? Well, he talked about he wasn't he, the, as big of a threat with his arm. Yeah, they said, well, they, they said that I didn't expect him to be that good of a passer. Exactly, yeah, and I didn't expect that either. And he showed up with 295 passing yards, twenty was it 30 for 40 completion, right? And then uh, 70.9 QBR. I still don't know how QBR works. <laughs> but James, it seems good. James Blackman had a 45 QBR, and he went 22 for 37 with 234 yards and three touchdowns. So I don't get that. And But Perkins did have his two picks in the first half, and he settled down. That was a big improvement for him, and that's what needed to really change for him. Gary, you said this is the first game that Perkins hasn't led the team in rushing. So he, mm-hmm. he adapted. He, he probably saw the Florida State. When you throw the ball down the field, not very good. Yeah, and they, they they did stop him, They, which was surprising, and that's what I was looking to see Florida State stop for this one game. That was my one big key to victory for this team, and they did it, and they still lost. Leonard Warner III said uh, Florida State's defensive end slash linebacker said that uh, we'll be able to contain him. He, you know, he, He's a running quarterback, but we've got a game plan for him. And, Matt, on that two-point conversion where Perkins ran all the way around about three times, do you, at, at that point, do you think that bulletin board material where they heard it and said, "There ain't no Florida State, Florida State against running quarterbacks has not been good either." Like that video of that final two-point conversion needs to be run over and over when they're watching film. On maybe, effort. maybe yeah, it needs to be on loop and just say, "This is what you guys did. Fix it." And I don't know if it is fixable. That's hard. Like. You know, you okay? Let's let's go. Let's go to the very end, which is what some people have been talking about in this room. Is Virginia did storm the field, but they showed heart. I I don't I don't really oppose it, guys. I I truly don't. I did think it was kind of funny that beating Florida State was that big to them. But what do you have on that, Sebastian? I mean, uh, come on, man. You're you're playing an unranked. You're ranked. You're uh, they're not ranked. Why are you rushing the field? I get that we're we're one of the big dog. Uh, Florida State is one of the big dogs in the ACC uh, for most of its history, but on on not one, not two, but three off years for the program, and what I would consider to be a very sh- hopefully a very short dark age for the program, uh, storming the field against a team that is may- rounded the bases in the in the national news uh, headlines for being a mess. Is that really necessary? I how uh, I, yeah I agree I I think I think it, it can go from both sides but shoot I mean Florida State has been in an embarrassment of riches in their football program as a fan and if you're a Virginia fan how often do you get to taste that type of glory? Isn't it great when you know you you, you, you champion over one of those guys that you envy? And I think that's what Virginia Virginia finally said. But let, let's give I'll give each of you guys we've touched on the negatives and. At this point, you know, I think it's set in stone. Willie Taggart may not be the guy for, for Florida State, but you can't do anything about that. you got to look on to the next game. Give me one thing that Florida State did well this weekend, or last weekend, 
that they can take in to next weekend, which would be Louisville coming up in Doe Campbell Stadium. So um, one of the big things that I, I did see that I really liked from, from the defense is that they were collapsing the pocket consistently. Uh, something that I noted through all three quarters that they played, um, it's just a matter of closing out that, you know, pinning down the quarterback. If you can, uh, if you can collapse the pocket, then closing in on the QB shouldn't be um, as much of a pain as it was during the UVA game. Matt, what what is your positive that Florida State has? I'll go back to it because we touched on it earlier, but the special teams has really been the glimmer of light in this dark, dark time in Florida State football. Um, they they just look solid this year, which was the one that was the part of the team that maybe looked the worst last year, and seeing that seeing them bounce back gives me hope for the rest of the team. Uh. Yeah, uh, the defensive line with their run-stuffing ability. 124 yards, give or take that many, against UVA, opposed to where they gave two, over 200 to Boise and over 174 to ULM. I think that was a big improvement, and it's going to be they're going to have to keep that up this week against Louisville if they're going to want to win that game. Well, let's, uh, let's move on a little bit to the Louisville game, which you mentioned. And Louisville is a little bit better of a team this year, i, I got to say. Uh, they don't look they don't look like the Bobby Petrino team that was last year and if you, if you look at the, the way they built that program it's been dual threat quarterbacks wouldn't you say I, I would say it's been dual threat that's the way you go and that's the way they, they've, they've thrived with Lamar Jackson and now Juwan Pass you look at Cunningham and then their third quarterback which they, they have right now I, I, his name is escaping me Evan Conley he is he is more of a uh, he's more of a pocket passer, but you look at you look at this Louisville team. They look a little bit better. They played Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky. I mean, they played each every Kentucky team out there this year. And Notre Dame. And, they and played Notre they, Dame. They did play Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, but that game they looked pretty good. They were up. They were tied fourteen to fourteen. Yeah, they showed up in the first half against Notre Dame, and then Notre Dame showed up, and then Notre Dame started to play their brand of football and kind of dominate that well, second half. One of the things that worries me about if you're a Louisville fan coming into here, is they can't hold on to the football. They had five lost fumbles against Notre Dame. Or they have five fumbles, three of them were lost. And then I looked at the, the previous games, I think they had two more fumbles uh, the rest of the year. So they can't hold on to the football very well, and that's something that Florida State can exploit. If we're touching back on how the defense seemed to have improved in the UVA game, um, that's something that they can definitely, the defense can definitely exploit if they're having trouble with uh, keeping the ball pinned down. Because uh, Virginia did have issues with that on special teams and on um, just on offense, uh, where they they would throw the ball in or just drop the ball in, in dicey situations. They were bailed and out by. That, that's one thing that we've seen with Florida State this year is when the ball actually does not run Florida State's way on a bunch of these fumbles, dropped interceptions. Florida State hasn't been able to take advantage of this, but the Louisville team that's out there is one that I wouldn't say is it's it's gettable, Gary, because Cunningham could have been the starting quarterback for Florida State or for Louisville this year if he hadn't gone down with a knee injury. Juwan Pass, he's injured uh, for people who don't know that. He's injured, and so they don't know if he's even going to play against uh, Florida State. It's going to be if, if this is a if Florida State loses this game, it's it would be extremely shocking. Yeah, that'd be a huge win for Florida State. Well, granted, they I believe they are favored to win. I know the lines aren't out yet, but I still believe that Florida State should be able to get this one, regardless of their quarterback Louisville's quarterback situation. Well, that's about all we have for this first half of the show. Seminole segment will be coming up with Lucas Vatia. We'll hold him on the side of the break. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the Voice of Florida State.
sports fans, I'm Lucas Vetia here to bring you your seminal segment. Florida State soccer ended non-conference play yesterday with a 5-0 win against Villanova. This was the second time this season the sixth-ranked Seminoles scored at least five goals, outshooting the Wildcats 27-5. Senior Dana Castellanos picked up her fourth goal in the last five games and moved up to third at FSU with 41 career goals. With the win, Florida State have outscored their opponents 14-3 in their last four games. The Seminoles begin ACC play on Thursday, heading back home to take on Boston College. Florida State football coach Willie Taggart announced that junior defensive end Joshua Kando will miss the rest of the season with the lower leg injury sustained in Saturday's loss against Virginia. Kando was injured during the second quarter after getting tripped up and having a teammate roll onto his lower leg. He had to be carted off the field and was later seen on the sideline using crutches. Kando finished the season with nine tackles and one sack. With him out, junior Janarius Robinson will take over at defensive end full-time. The two had been sharing starting duties in the Seminoles' three games this season. Robinson will make the start when Florida State plays Louisville at home on Saturday. That's all for this week's Seminole segment. Now back to Luke and Gary on the panel. Well, thank you, Lucas. I appreciate it from one Luke to another. <laughs> and on the other side of the break, we were talking about Louisville football versus Florida State and what is really the bottom tier of both programs in, in the last couple of years. They have not been – Louisville fell off a cliff after Lamar Jackson left. And Florida State needs a win badly, and this could be a good ACC win. You can make a case for them uh, for for Louisville being untested. Uh, while they had that big Notre Dame game, the the their two most recent opponents are Eastern and Western Kentucky. That's not that's not e-ticket competition. Maybe they they've with with the injuries that they've sustained there, they they've eased up a bit. It it could be a uh, a big opportunity for Florida State. I agree. Matt, do you think uh, Florida State will be hydrated for this big game today or uh, this weekend? <laughs> I hope. I hear one more hydrated joke. <laughs> I, I honestly though, uh, the Florida State. I think the defense comes. The defense making all these boneheaded decisions or these la uh, these bad plays comes from uh, lack of conditioning. I think Florida State's defense is not conditioned. They don't know how to finish games. That's why it's always in the second half at the end of games. Would. would Gary, would you say that they don't know how to finish games or that the other team has just had the ball for so long? Florida State's offense is meant to be quick, but also at, at sometimes not really sustainable. Yeah, we talked about it last week where we uh, mentioned Bronco Mendenhall's quote about FSU and their kind of, or I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but it may have been on uh, Talking Chop, but Bronco Mendenhall mentioned that FSU's uh, offense and their pace that they play really shoots their defense in the foot, really, because of that they give them such little time to actually rest and recover, and they let the they let the opposing team have the ball for about 40 minutes a game. It's 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 interesting because Florida State's defense never really uses that in a, as an excuse, but you got to think in the back of their mind that man, <laughs> if if the offense could sustain a five minute drive out there, give give them a little bit of rest, maybe these linebackers would perform a little bit better, Gary. Yeah, and then the offense would also think like, hey, if you guys could stop them for a bit a bit faster maybe we'd be able to get back out on the field quicker well matt looking at this louisville team where where are they where, where are they good you, it's going to come down to their quarterback and who's healthy if, which, yeah which quarterback which quarterback we're yeah. getting uh juan pass looks good malik cunningham seems to have turned the corner he, seems he's, he's pretty good but he's more of a lamar jackson only running yeah he's, he's mostly running has difficulty throwing the football, and I think that's why they've gone with Jawan Pass. But if you look at Malik Cunningham run, he does give you those flashes of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, definitely. And I think that if he, we need to do what uh, Florida State did to, I'm drawing a blank on the quarterback, uh, Bryce Perkins, put a, uh, a spy, a QB spy on him. If he plays, limit the run, limit the run and make him throw the ball. I know it, that's what Gary yeah. said last week, but really, I, I, no, but I'm saying really as in that's that's what you need to do. Bryce Perkins didn't really show that he could throw the football, but Louisville, I've looked at all of their all of their game tape and most of their balls are within those 10 yards. They don't really throw it down the field. So if you get them out of their sink, which they haven't gotten too much in, into one, it could be it could be a it could be possibly a blowout. I think that Florida State 
finally is going to come up with something, put it all together, and say, we're, you know, we aren't going to lose to Louisville. Are you kidding me? Especially the team that they have right now. But the one player that sticks out on tape to me is Tutu Atwell, and he is fast. He reminds me of, you know who he reminds me of? Kermit Whitfield, but freshman year okay. Kermit Whitfield, who was the fastest player on the planet. He kind of lost his luster as he got on. I think he didn't really care too much about football. It was after his career. kick return. <laughs> the kick return, you know, made, made his career. But Tutu Atwell is good. He's really good. He's really and, quick in the slot. He was his longest reception, I believe, is 11 yards. I I don't think that's true. Well, I'm I'm looking at long. I long oh long rushing. Wow. Why yeah, is that long rushing? Yeah. I but I think st- you're on the wrong pace okay, there. Okay. I guess so. But still, he's he's quick, and he's can and they give it to him a lot, regardless of how much they pass the ball. They throw it to him more than any other guy on their team. So if they are going to pass, it's going to be a two-two. Two-two Atwell against Western Kentucky, who is the team that. Louisville just played. He had four receptions for 141 yards, Gary. That's 35, uh, 35 yards uh, per catch and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. He's going to be the problem. If you go and look up, look out on tape, he's the one guy the Florida State's got to stop. Plain and simple. That's it. And that I, simple. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, this is a very winnable game for Florida State, and it's a must-win. Everyone knows this. Where, where? Where, where are we as a team if Florida State does lose this team? Because we say this every time, and then it, it comes, and, and it, it almost seems like you're beating it to death. But this game is at home. Florida State's got to win it. Yeah, it's a 3.30 kickoff time, so it's going to be warm. So I, my question is, is how many, how many fans are actually showing up to this one? I don't know really where. I know the student section is going to be the student section, and we know what the voice, the student population is feeling right now but yeah everyone else the locals in tallahassee people traveling from out of town some of the boosters i know there's a lot of boosters frustrated i know there's a lot of little kids little a lot of little four-year-olds frustrated at the moment but oh god i don't have you ever been so angry at a football team that you're you and your four-year-old brain go i'm going to charge twenty dollars for lemonade <laughs> that kids were dead for, for <laughs> high for, iq plays by that point. for people who don't know a uh florida state booster put his son out there and uh, charged $20 a cup for, for lemonade to get Willie Taggart's buyout. A little bit ridiculous. He's been dragged. Uh, it's not very good parenting. Too soon. Uh, not at all. <laughs> I I got to say this, though. You almost look at it and say, if 50,000 people show up, Gary, that's at, that's about thirty five around 35,000 people who aren't going to be there. That's starting to cut into the revenue of the athletic department. Yeah, and I know there's about 50,000 that showed up to the Boise game, and that was, that was a big number for the Boise game because we weren't expecting that to notice. be here. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be in Tallahassee, so that's a good number for that game. But so, if you put 50,000 for a game that was planned to be in Tallahassee from over what is – That, they that was the scheduled? ULM game. The ULM game had like 52K. I, I I think the ULM game had a Did little – I, I thought I, it was around 60. I thought it was closer to 60 as well. But either way, it, it wasn't very good. Mm-mm. But you look at the Louisville game, and you almost you almost start to do a little bit of math here and say the amount of revenue lost by the city of Tallahassee by this football team not being good might be worth changing a coach, even though the buyout is you know going to be Our twenty million dollars. I, I from what I've seen, you, you we've all been to a Florida State game as as students, and. During during the afternoon games and the noon games, it is hot, hot, hot on that side of Doe Campbell. Um, there's some nice shade, so I don't expect um, on the other side. So I don't expect the locals not to turn out, but I, I do have my reservations on just how many students are going to show up. I think you know that one shady spot um, close to the to behind the, the scoreboard, bigger scoreboard. Yeah. behind the bigger scoreboard. Uh, I think you'll see that place packed out, but the that other side of Doe. You'll see, you'll see a good, like um, probably a healthy Louisville turnout. Well, not huge, but but a but a sizable one. I How mean, many it, people from Louisville do you know here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if I'm a, if I'm a Louisville fan, I think that uh, this is one of those times when you think you can come and take two in a row from Florida State. I, I don't know if you guys were at that that nooner two years ago oh, when Louisville well, yeah, came in, in Lamar okay, Jackson. Say, yeah. yeah, that was a that was a hot game. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't I don't foresee. I, I was a Debbie Downer last week. I, I wonder if we can go back to Twitter and see who was the closest on the uh, picks for Virginia. I said 35-17, um, a little bit off. Well, let's get into the predictions for Louisville because uh, it's not getting any sexier here talking about the cards and Seminoles, i I got, I got to be honest. So, Matt, 
give me give me your score prediction for the Florida State Louisville game. All right, I'm gonna go with a glass half full, and I think that Florida State puts together a full game. I think we stop we stop uh, the quarterback, and we actually have a um, solid a solid a solid offense through all four quarters. And I think we put together a score. Uh, we end up winning this game, and we win not easy, but not hard. And my score would be my score. It just you know a, a comfort a comfortable win. And I, my score prediction would be 27-14. 27-14. All right, Sebastian. Florida State football can put together a full football game and other hilarious jokes you can tell yourself. I got the cards, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Okay. Okay, that's uh, bold, bold, Gary. I got a shootout this weekend in Tallahassee. They, both these teams can score, and it's going to be hot, so the defenses are going to be tired. I'm going to take the Seminoles, thirty-seven to thirty-three. Okay, uh, that that might be a, what? What do they call those things in the NFL when the scores never happen? Scoregami. This might be a scoregami. Yeah, uh, I'm okay. going to get one of them this year. Is that, is that score? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is Scorigami. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to go more conservative. I, I think that Florida State will get a field goal in there. Um, but, but you know, I'm going I'm going touchdown. So 35-21. Florida State is going to make a, a, a decisive win against a team that they should beat. And finally, they're going to put the rest, the blowing the, the lead in the second half. And and that's that's what I'll say. For my sanity, I just hope you're right. I, I my just like in the Bucks game on Thursday night, my brain was melting watching that fourth quarter. I was uh, losing my mind. It was it's the first not, time I like actually got up and I got out of bed and started screaming at my TV. Oh my goodness! You were losing your mind. I Imagine being losing. a Carolina Panther fan. I know we got a couple of those in here. <laughs> How'd you guys feel about Brian Burns second Jameis Winston? That he's a darn good player from the University of Florida. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's, I feel the same way as the refs calling one spot in the fourth on the last drive and then moving it like is a it, full yard forward. Is that what they said on the broadcast? No, the, on the stat thing when he got a, uh, he made a play, it said Brian Burns and then whatever uh, pick from Florida, not uh, Florida State. <laughs> well, I maybe maybe put that one in there given that Florida State uh, hasn't been valiant in any football material. But speaking of Florida football, Gary, th- thanks for the segue there. Florida State or uh, Florida played Kentucky. And what is blue on blue in the bluegrass state. And it did not go as planned for Florida. Florida was in a tough one. They were down by 11 points, Gary. Is that correct? They were down by 11 points in the fourth quarter and had to come back and, and get the win. And it didn't look great. It did not look great. Felipe Franks goes down with a dislocated ankle. But there could be there could be a silver lining in it in Cal Trask. Yeah, I... You never want to see a guy go down like that. I saw, I was watching a little bit of that game. I was flipping back and forth between the Florida State and Kentucky game. And I saw Felipe go down. I saw him kind of like yell in pain. And I was like, oh gosh, that's not, like, you never want to see a guy go down that way. But Trask stepped up. He did his job. He, it's just going to be a matter of what he can do when he has a full game ahead of him and what the de- and what the opposing defenses know coming into a game with him there. Sebastian, Felipe Franks has been controversial with the fans. Some of the ESPN people said off-the-field issues. He has zero off-the-field issues. It's only on the field where the issues have been, and that, that's been just passing. The fans have been kind of a little bit too critical of the Gator star. And now when he goes down, you see how the team rallies around him. What does that say as a player when all the outside noise is going in on this player? And then you hear some of the fans say they're glad the injury happened. You know, see, seeing his teammates back him up like that. First off, I want to say, I um, rivalry aside, I want to sympathize with uh, Franks and his family. I, I mean, Wakula County native. It's it's rough. Uh, you never want to see that. You never want to. You want to beat your opponent. You never want to see them um, go down to an injury like that. Uh, second of all, Felipe Franks can can perform when he when he when he has to step up. He can step up. Uh, he didn't have a horrible game. He didn't have a. Horrible he didn't have a, He had an exceptional game, but you couldn't tell me that if he goes down, that Florida wasn't going to fo- win the football game. My big point for for this game is, I'm, I'm going to be honest and say it: a week three nine uh, nine ranked nine Florida Gators team um, is almost as overrated as a ranked nine week three Texas team. 
Yeah. I, I, I this is the most undeserved like top ten spot I've seen in in years. It this is not. It's not good. They did not deserve to win this game. Matt, this Matt uh, uh, elaborating on that, Florida is – did they fall in the rankings at all? Or are they no, still they, number they nine? they stayed nine. So they're, they're still number nine. Jeez. It's, they, they are vastly overrated. They barely, they barely beat Kentucky. They barely beat a atrocious Miami team. But you could say it's the first week of the season. You know, Give, give them that credibility. Why are they still a, a top-ten team? They're still a top-ten team because they have a solid defense – they were put high off the start of the season, and I think, too, well, they were put too high off the start of the season, and after they're put that high, they're not going to drop too much, even if, because they're winning games. If they're losing games, you could drop them, but they're winning games, and I think it was just a wrong starting spot you, for Florida. Usually you go and earn it, and Florida the last couple of years has had to earn it since they've been poor as a football team they've turned it around ever you know ever since the new coaching change with with Dan Mullen coming in but you go and look at the team right now and they have chances to play themselves and keep that spot they need to earn it and one of those first ways they can do it is winning that Tennessee the Tennessee game coming up off of Tennessee is just is not a good not a good team Sunk but Kentucky team. let's go back to this Kentucky Florida game Kentucky was playing a backup quarterback, Matt, yeah. and the backup quarterback tore apart this so-called he great defense. Very yeah. good, very very good. Um, he, yeah, he he picked apart the Florida defense, and it did not look good for Florida. Like that's he did throw three picks though, so I don't know how tear, how much of tearing apart he really did. Like three picks, that's that's a lot. That's a big number if you're the quarterback there. So I. I don't know. I, I don't would know say he, out, he <laughs> outplayed Franks off the start. No, he did game. outplay Franks, and he did throw for 267 yards. But still, three picks, you can't expect to win a ball game doing that. It's just ridiculous. Gary, looking looking at this Florida team, they, they didn't play up to par, but they went out and won the game. And you got to feel for, uh, what, what was his name? Uh, it was Chance Poor was, was the kicker for Kentucky. Um, and I'm sure that they made fun of those headlines. Poor chance he made the 35-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he didn't make it. And Florida escapes. Is this going to be one of those close games where they say they've had the close game against Miami? They had the close game against Kentucky. You know what? We're built for this. We're going to go out there and go on a tear, especially with this backup quarterback, Kyle Trask, who looked, you know, he's looked serviceable. Yeah, you would expect them to do that because they said that, I believe a lot of people said that after the Miami game. They said – this is a wake-up call for the Florida Gators. Expect them to come in the rest of the season and tear it apart. And they tore apart Tennessee Martin like they should, 45 nothing. And then it's just a close game to Kentucky. I know some people could say it's a rivalry game, but I don't know how much of a rivalry it is when the uh, series is 32-1 in favor of the Gators. And now they go into Tennessee, which is an actual rivalry game, more or less. What? And mm-hmm. Yeah, one interesting fact that I, I think will shock some of you guys is Kyle Trask, this will be his first start since his freshman year in high school. Wow. Wow. Are you serious? I'm not He's kidding you. You know who he, for you, that long? You want to know who his uh, backup quarterback was? His backup quarterback is Houston starting quarterback Derek King. So they had a they had a little bit thing going where Derek King was the starting quarterback mm-hmm. and then they would give Kyle Trask some time and Kyle Trask loved his high school so much. That he said, "I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play no matter what. I, I'm I'm gonna stay here." And so, at the height he has, it's it's six foot five. You know, uh, he, he's six foot five. He's he's a great size quarterback. But the thing is, does he have that experience? You know, I yeah, I don't think he does. And like, it sounds like it sounds like he's a big Tim Tebow guy for staying at his school and riding it out for <laughs> oh, yeah. the love of the program. Isn't stuff. that what he said that's, in his quote? That's yeah. Tim Tebow right there, and it makes sense that he's a Florida Gator right now. So let's see if he makes any promises coming up. <laughs> I want to jump into real, real quick before we have Alex on the phone line for the Dolphins. I think he's going to go on a tangent. But mentioning Tim know. Tebow, we're going we're gonna to change course from this, from, from this Florida Kentucky bait and go to what Tim Tebow said this weekend, which made some headlines, and it was in regards to college athletes being paid. If you guys don't know, California passed a law in which uh, college athletes can get paid for their likeness. Uh, the only thing that needs to happen is the governor needs to sign it. Uh, it has not happened yet, but Tim Tebow went in and said that he was not in favor and that he played for the love of the game and, and that just, just representing you know, the, the orange and blue was, was big enough for him. And my quick reaction to that is, did Tim Tebow ever have to send money home to his family? 
did Tim Tebow, was he able to text his mom and ask for a couple bucks to go to McDonald's? Yes, yes, yes. All these things, yes. It's not a good look on him, Gary. It, it really isn't. And to see all these other college athletes who are playing right now go in and blast him for it, I think that this is the one time where you look at Tim and go, buddy, you just, not everyone lived the life you did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you can see like there is he has some he has some fair points with it. You should be playing for the love of the game, and there shouldn't be the the whole money aspect into it, and that shouldn't be the issue. But it is an issue, and for a lot of people, it is. And he never really had to deal with that for the most part. So, I, I there's like some parts that I'd say like I want to side with him, but for the most part, it's just you can't like it's impossible to. I sympathize with the player, uh, not Tebow, but I sympathize with the player in every single one of these situations. Um, all the photographers out there, all the producers out there, all the all the writers out there. The they're coaches. Like, no, no, just people okay. that, that are like, hey, man, I'll do this for you. Uh, are you going to pay me? No, 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 you're going to do it for exposure because that's what these that's the, that's what these schools are saying like they they're exposing them to uh, scouts from the NFL so that they can get drafted right that's the whole that's the whole Less reason than 1% you go, end up going pro you know exactly and you you only your body only has a certain amount of years playing this very very physical sport that is football and your goal as a football player should be to collect as much bread as you possibly can within that very small window of time that you have. Because, because you don't know what injuries you are going to ne- You don't know what injuries you're going to get. Uh, you don't know um, what your finances will be decades down the line. And it for a lot, a lot of NFL players, it's not good down the line. Matt, quickly, your take. Quickly, my take is that uh, Tebow has points. Um, you know, these pe- these players are getting paid in some aspect. They are getting scholarships. Their school isn't cheap, and their schools, a lot of the players, are paid for. And what you have if you start letting players get paid lots of money is you're going to have a monopoly, and teams like Alabama is going to just own every single every single team or every single player i think what they're talking about is not necessarily the school they're saying that the companies so sponsorships okay. so nike can come in i can see and say I, and and it's more it's more of that along along those lines i don't think i they're going to have special rules and everything that goes along with it but if you're if you're a kid who goes to ucla and you get a twelve hundred dollar rent check and you go and look around and and there were there was a there was a comment on the article that said that some of the kids at, at uh, those area schools in those big cities, they had to sleep in the uh, the office because they couldn't uh, afford first month's rent. So you got to look at it from that that perspective as well. Are some people getting more out of it than others? Definitely. Yes, I, I definitely agree. But it doesn't mean that it, it, it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be change. And I think this is a good step forward because it's going to make the NCA freak out and at least cause some change. Yes. Well. We've had Alex online for a very long time. Um, I'm sure he, he could talk about paying athletes as much, but we know he wants to talk about his favorite team, the New England Patriots. Alex? Yeah, I'm still here. Well, you're, you're on, buddy. You're oh, talking about I, the Patriots, I, I right? I'm talking to the intern. My bad. What's up, Luke? Good, oh. good afternoon, all of Florida State, whoever's listening. Uh, let me tell you, it's a good day to be a Dolphins fan, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel, Alex. This is Gary, by the way. <laughs> For those you know, who don't know, Alex. In Gary's lifetime that we have seen the Dolphins execute a plan. And you know what the, the general consensus is from everyone? Eh, how could the Dolphins do this? Oh, this is a disgrace to football. Uh, On Dan Marino's birthday, nonetheless. It's going to be like, oh, these Cleveland Browns, oh, they acquired all these draft picks. They're going to be good this year. Uh, oh, God. Well, well, well Alex. Let's jump to those draft picks. You, you were just talking about the, the Browns having all those high draft picks. Some of them don't work out, so you could say that, that they're just trying to do the same script that took the Browns 20-plus years. Are, are you going to be able to stick around as a Dolphins fan? We, we were joking with you being, being a Patriots fan, of course. Oh, I didn't hear, Thankfully, I didn't hear that. Whoever did the holding was top-notch at that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Um, it. We've already we stuck around for Tony Sperano years, Joe Philbin years, which is like you know you tr- you tough it out and you go be mediocre and you go seven and nine, eight and eight every year, uh, end up with the 14th pick and you draft I don't know a, a tackle that doesn't doesn't pan out. Only if you're lucky does a does a Laramie Tunzel fall in your lap. But, but you let you him go as well. But we got draft picks. 
right? Look, this is another thing. They're selling, they're getting rid of all their bad contracts. Next year, they're going to have 120 million in cap space. Thankfully, this isn't baseball. There's a salary cap. Some but some players are going to need Miami's money. Are you and yeah. and and you got to you got to throw in the taxes as well. Florida doesn't have a state income tax. Florida but one, does not have a state income. One tax thing that I I want to I want to ask you about is: Are you on the full tank path? And who can change this franchise? How do you save tank for two uh, and three hundred five? Thankfully, there's already been 0-16 teams, so I don't care if the Dolphins go 0-16. Now, it's no longer it's no longer a huge footnote. The Detroit Lions will ever, ever have that stain. But, uh, oh, yeah, definitely go 0-16, and you either get Tua or you get Justin Herbert. One of those two, and you put – because the fact that they sold Tunzel like four days before the season started is just an indication that Josh Rosen is not the guy. They see him every day. They know he's not the guy. Granted, they're not giving him a, a chance out there to be the guy, considering he has absolutely nothing to work he, with. But he had a couple of good passes, though, that just fell right through the hands of his receivers. If they weren't ducking them, like they were dodgeballs. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, going back to the draft picks, do you would you rather have Tua Herbert or wait one more year for Lawrence? Uh, draft Tua because I I. Look, I know as Dolphin fans, we're supposed to hate everything Nick Saban touches. Yes, but I know. It's, it's been long enough now. I think he has the best. Pro, he runs a pro-style offense. If you ever, he knows how to do mesh concepts, and he doesn't do the. I mean, Mariota's still okay in the league, but he's not doing the spread Chip Kelly offense. He's run. He's doing. He's making NFL type throws out there, and you know what? God fearing, if if he we draft him and he stinks. Get Trevor the next year. Hey, but with the what? What's it called? With going back to Saban there, I think he may have gotten this whole Drew Brees thing right now. Looking back on that, I think we got it right. Uh, I mean, he's injured now. Drew Brees out, out, out six out six weeks. Out six weeks. I mean, they've been to three NFC championships, won one of them, and a Super Bowl. I think uh, that's I mean, nothing. I'm he's injured Dante now. Pepper jersey in my garbage right now. Well, well, Alex, thank, thanks for calling in. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, great to have a fellow V89er on there. Uh, and hopefully the, the Dolphins will, will change course for you. No problem. Uh, Luke, I'm going to put you on the record. Can I crash at your place when I, st- uh, when I bootleg a ticket to the uh, Miami game? Uh, I think uh, I think you could. I think you could. I believe you're bootlegging. You're bootlegging my ticket as well. Uh, so oh, that, oh, th- so thanks, Alex. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly no. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that was Alex Monaco. Uh, always gracious to to come and join us. Uh, funny funny guy. Let's get some breaking news out here. Jalen Ramsey uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars cornerback got in a verbal argument with Doug Marone and a couple people on the sidelines. He has requested a trade as of thirty minutes ago. Quick reaction, Matt. Don't do it, Jaguars. Keep him. Fire Marone. Fire Marone. Tank for Tua. <laughs> okay, that's that's uncalled for. I I am on the uh, the very big path of I want Jalen Ramsey on my team. He he has that you know he can come off a little bit brash, but that's that's what you need in this team. And Doug Marone, if if Jalen Ramsey isn't doing it. Jalen Ramsey is going to tell all of his friends, "You aren't go- you shouldn't go to Jacksonville." And if they lose this piece for nothing, um, I don't know who they could trade it to for them to to come out on. They can't top. trade it to the Bucks. They have no space to take a guy like that unless it's offloading salary. But I don't think Jacksonville would be open to that. The New England Patriots? Oh no, no not again, not again. <laughs> Please no. Yeah, we won't we won't do that, guys. Well, that's about all the time we have left. Hopefully next week we'll see uh, Doug Marone fired. I believe that's a consensus. Wow. I, I don't know oh. if that'll happen. Uh, hopefully Jalen Ramsey stays. But that's all we have for Tomahawk Talk for Matt Povtak, Sebastian Angeliano, Luke Fay, Gary Putnick, all the other people in the studio, Emma Clausen helping us out on Twitter. This is Tomahawk Talk. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is next. We'll